as I mentioned, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we have been looking at Peter's condemnation of false teachers. And as has been noted, he is not holding back any punches. The language he uses in this chapter uh, is clear, it is direct, it is biting. Take, for instance, what he calls these false teachers in verse 17 of our text this morning. We, we get right into it. He says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, the first part of the verse, these are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. Well, if you know anything about language, about what writers do, writers often use metaphors and word pictures to, so as to be as clear as possible, to make their points strong. They want to bring uh, their points to life and make you feel what they are saying. Peter says, false teachers are waterless springs. Think about that for a moment. Springs are supposed to be refreshing. <laughs> they, they are supposed to be uh, uh, serene and, and, and bring joy. Peter says that false teachers are like springs that contain no water. In other words, they are useless, not doing what they claim to be suppo supposed to be doing. Prophets are supposed to speak truth. Teachers are supposed to equip and, uh, and encourage. False teachers do none of that. They are simply useless, waterless springs. It, is, it has happened to me quite often, and perhaps maybe it has happened to you where you have been in a park and you have been walking for some distance and, and you are parched. You want your thirst to be quenched. You need some water. And up ahead, you see a water fountain in the park. Your, your pace quickens because you think that you are going to have your, your thirst quenched. That, that water is going to be sweet upon your lips, all to get there, and the water fountain doesn't work. <laughs> you know how you feel. What was supposed to be something refreshing and, 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 and is to quench your thirst, there it was, not doing what it was supposed to be doing. These false prophets, these false teachers are waterless springs. But Peter also refers to them as myths, as myths uh, driven by a storm. One commentator says that in a climate like Peter's readers would have been familiar with, mist signified heat. So these false teachers are like a storm that promises rain but brings heat. The refreshing water produced by the storm that is needed for the crops to grow, for people to be nourished, uh, is nowhere to be found. Again, Peter is driving his point home. False teachers are good-for-nothing scam artists. They give the appearance of being helpful, 
but they are a facade. Their words and actions are empty. And this is difficult language from Peter. Hard language. He's not holding back. The language seems biting. Remember, Peter is an apostle. He is an apostle, been commissioned by the Lord, and and he has a goal in mind. He he is using this language. Peter is he's using this language because he is both condemning and he is warning. He is condemning the character and the methods of these false teachers. They, They need to be exposed. They are. They are needing to be called out. So he is condemning with his language. But Peter is also warning. Peter is is warning. He is warning those who may fall prey to these teachers. He he wants Christians to be aware. You need to know about these men and women. Be on guard. Be on the lookout for these false teachers. He has already said a lot, as we've learned last week in the first part of this text. His next goal, though, however, is to is to bring attention to his readers the damage these false teachers inflict. Listen, church hurt as a result of false teachers is real. The internet is littered with blogs and message boards of sheep who have been taken advantage of of sheep who have been wounded by men and women who are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. Oh, there's nothing that gets my blood boiling more than men and women who have been hurt and wounded by false teachers. We know of this. Let's bring this home. Perhaps, perhaps some of you have been hurt by false teachers. Perhaps even more is the case you have family members who have been hurt and wounded by false teachers or who are perhaps currently suffering under false, the influence of false teachers. This is a difficult but important topic that we need to address and talk about. And sisters, as Pastor Tony said last week, false teachers, they destroy. It's an important topic because false teachers, they destroy and they kill and they devastate. It happens over and over and over again. The question is, how do they do that? How do they, how do they get people to buy into their teaching? How do they follow? How do they get people to follow them? Well, Peter exposes their methods for us. He exposes their methods so that his readers and and so that you and I are able to identify and avoid these men and women. So he gives us their methods to expose them. He gives his readers their methods so that they can know when they are listening and hearing a false teacher. First, he says, that you need to know that false teachers entice. 
they entice. Verse 18 of 2 Peter chapter 2. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Peter here confirms what Pastor Tony was mentioning last week about a majority of false teachers being very aware of what they are doing. Listen to what Peter says. They loudly and, and boldly speak these things. They're arrogant, as we were mentioning last week. Uh, they speak lies about God. They, they speak lies about Christ. They speak lies about you, and they are arrogant in these proclamations, seeking to entice their hearers to these false ideas. And, and what Peter is saying is that they know what they are doing. For that is the nature of enticement. You don't entice by accident. To entice, it means to lure. It means to draw away by deceptive and attractive means. That's what you do with animal traps, don't you? That's what you do with animal traps. You, you don't entice with things that aren't pleasing to the animal. To catch something in a trap, you, you, you put something that the animal or, or that the, the prey likes. You intentionally seek to do that. To entice, you have to premeditate. And that is what Peter says these false teachers do. They entice with things that tickle the ears, saying what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. They, they entice people by playing to their emotions, seizing on them when they are most vulnerable and distraught. They entice people by appealing to sinful passions greed and, and, and lust and the like. They are clever, of course, mixing in just a little bit of truth so that you can swallow the poison without a fight. This is awful. But what makes these false teachers all the more sinister is that they prey on the vulnerable. Look at what Peter says in verse 19. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Oh, what Peter is saying here is that they prey on new converts. New converts, those who have just recently come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, those, those who are fresh out of the world, they, they still have, 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 have a stench of the world on them. <laughs> they prey on their enthusiasm and, and spiritual immaturity. Perhaps you've been there or you've witnessed it. A new convert eager to learn and, and eager to grow. And all it takes is a knock on the door, a YouTube clip, 
or a blog post to have them believing false info about Christ and Christianity. Oh, this is, this is real, brothers and sisters. I was reading an article this past week about this phenomenon that's going on in Christianity related to uh, deconversion. This deconversion uh, meant, uh, meant the phenomenon that's going on. It's a new word. Basically, is people apostatizing. It's people leaving the Christian faith. And the article had to do with a couple of internet um, personalities who have since renounced Christianity and, and are, are turning away from the faith. I want to I talk to our teenagers here today. Because this is, this is real. This is something that you all are going to continue to be dealing with, particularly in our celebrity culture. We get enamored with celebrities, and, and we begin to follow them and are influenced by them. And we get influenced by, by those who follow Christ, who say they are Christians, and we prop them up unnecessarily. And when those Christians who claim to be Christians begin to deconvert or, or, or turn away from the faith, we get shaken and we follow them. And this is what is happening to some of our young people. Be very aware. This is, listen to what this Arthur said about these, about these who, who go through this deconversion uh, 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 scenario. The sad reality is that for the deconverted, disbelief isn't sufficient. These apostles of unbelief are on a mission to help others destruct with the same evangelistic zeal they learned from their previous tribe. Which means that they're just not interested in them going off and leaving the faith. They want you to leave too. And they're going to start trying to convince you and entice you that what you have believed is not right. Brothers and sisters, do not, teenagers, do not fall for the trap. Do not do it. What we have in the Scriptures is true and is real. you got to know their methods. As we're here with new converts, those who are vulnerable, this, that is where false teachers live and do their most damage. Brothers and sisters, this is evil. It's evil. It's demonic. No wonder Peter says in verse 17 that, that gloom and utter darkness has been reserved for them. You do know that that is the same place that the fallen angels were sent in verse 4 of chapter 2? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, to entice the spiritually weak and vulnerable is to be like the angels who saw the glory of the Lord and turned their backs on him. This is blatant sin, worthy of the punishment of gloomy darkness.
brothers and sisters, false teachers entice. They entice. And you and I need to be aware so that we can be on guard for our souls as well as the vulnerable around us. Those new believers who are susceptible to these schemes. We are to be aware, we are to be aware so that we can, we can do what Jude tells us to do, namely to contend for the faith. Jude 3, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I have found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We got to contend. For the faith, as Jude says. So, so how do we contend for the, for the faith against these false teachers who seek to very well entice you with sensual passions? How do you contend? Well, you do what Paul says to do in Colossians verse, chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. If you are putting these things to death, then you won't be enticed by the things of the world that these false teachers are seeking to entice you with. Paul say to the Romans, make no provision for the flesh. When, 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 when Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness seeking to entice him, Satan found nothing in him. There was nothing that he could draw on. There was nothing for Satan to latch on to. There was nothing for, for Satan to entice Jesus with. I've heard it said that you should never go grocery shopping on an empty stomach. <laughs> Because you will be enticed to get that thing that you don't need. We have to know, we have to know the methods of these false teachers in order to resist and to avoid them. They seek to entice. They seek to entice. Know that. But not only do they entice, they seek to enslave. They seek to enslave. They entice with the purpose of enslaving. Brothers and sisters, this has got to be, and it appears that Peter is making this point, the vilest offense of these false teachers. Look at what 2 Peter 2 and 19 says. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. I don't know if you can do greater harm to a person than telling them they are free when they are really enslaved. What was that movie several years ago? called The Truman Show, very insightful about Truman, who was born into this reality TV show. He gave the appearance 
that he was free. He felt like he was living his life just the way it was. Turns out he was just part of a reality scheme. Every decision of his life manipulated and turned and gave the appearance that he was free. But he was really enslaved. This is what false teachers do. They give the appearance of freedom, but ultimately they enslave their followers to a life of corruption. And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, this, this is, is, is far too common in our day and age. Men and women are enslaved and they think they are free. False teachers bring this this enslavement about in, in a couple of different ways. First, there are those false teachers who add to the gospel, insisting that for you to be truly free, if you're going to be truly free, then you need to do this or not do that. Or you need to stop doing this or stop doing that. Oh, the examples are numerous. You're not a real Christian. You're, you're not free unless you give the evidence of the gift of speaking in tongues. You, you, you have to wear skirts and not pants. You, you can't play cards or go to the movies. You have to observe this religious holiday or that food law. You must vote this way and can't vote that way. You have to champion this idea and not that idea. You have to come here and can't go there. Oh, brothers and sisters, we scoff at this, these things, but this goes on all the time. It happens all the time. And remember, remember what these false teachers do. They entice, they play on your passions, and they entice you with your desires, all with the goal of enslaving you. Listen to this, listen to this. Imagine that you're an, if you're an intellectual, you're an intellectual, you like to read, you like to study, you like things to be logical and in order. So what do the false teachers do? Well, they entice you with some secret knowledge that requires you to, to, for deeper study and, to, and to, to get understanding. You have, to, you have to go and read and study and study, and sooner or later, you are the only one who is free, and you're trying to get everybody else free. What does Peter say? They promise freedom, but they themselves are enslaved. Or perhaps you're a feeler, prone to be emotional. Well, then they entice you with good music and, and candles and, and Bible studies that tell you how to be your best you. And, and sooner or later, Doctrine is bad, and everyone who studies theology is wrong and enslaved, and, and you start believing freedom is found uh, and, never, and not getting caught up in theology. I just want to follow Jesus. They promise freedom, but they themselves are enslaved. There are those who add to the gospel and enslave their followers but then there are those who undercut the gospel and enslave. In fact, this is what Peter's original hearers were dealing with. They were being told Jesus was not coming back. Therefore, 
they could live their lives to the fullest, fulfilling their lustful and sinful desires. Live and let live. You're not going to be judged. There's going to be no judgment. These false teachers undercut and undermine the gospel by saying, as long as you believe in Jesus, then you can live any old way. The gospel becomes no more than life insurance. As long as you said a prayer and, and walked the aisle, then you are okay. As long as you got baptized, you're good. Oh, we all, we all make mistakes. Don't worry about holiness. God doesn't care about all that. When you get to heaven, just, just make sure you have that new believer card that you signed. They promote freedom, but they themselves are enslaved. And that's the key. They themselves are enslaved. If they are not free, the best they can do is lead you to a life of bondage, let alone destruction. Listen to the warnings of Jesus in Matthew 15, 14. He says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, these are two sides of the same enslavement coin. False teachers are either adding to the gospel or they are undermining it. But the end result of either method is enslavement. So how do you avoid being enslaved by these false teachers? How do you, how do you prevent against this? That's what I would want to know. How, how do I stop this from happening? You know how you stop it from happening? Remember that you and I are free in Christ. That's how you stop it. That's, that's how you, you stop it. Romans 6, 6 and 7. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Paul said it, Jesus said it. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Brothers and sisters, Christ, Christ sets you free. You, you, you are free in Christ. And, and here's the deal. If a pastor or a teacher or a televangelist, or, or a friend starts promising you freedom apart from Jesus, it is a trap. It, 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 it don't fall for the bait. They are going to try to entice you. But if your ears don't hear freedom in Christ and in Him alone, pull their card and let them know, no, 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 I am free in Christ. I am no longer in bondage. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Amen. Start singing that to them. They might think you're crazy and move on, but hey, you are free. You're free in Christ. You are no longer enslaved by the world. In fact, 
you can let them know you're enslaved. You're enslaved. I, I'm good. I'm spoken for. I'm already, I'm already spoken for. I'm enslaved to righteousness. <laughs> because you are, Christian. You are. Well, that's the problem with these false teachers who, to whom Peter was condemning. They assumed freedom meant living as a law unto yourself, doing whatever you wanted to do. But Peter says in verse 19, for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. They were overcome by the world and therefore bound by it. The world had them enslaved, thinking that they were free. But the Christian, Christian who is free in Christ, is therefore overcome by him and ruled by him. Slaves of righteousness. Romans 6, 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set from, free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. How do you guard against the false teachers who seek to enslave you when they promise you freedom? Remember that you are free in Christ. And you heed the warning from Peter. In chapter 2, verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the defilement, speaking of the false teachers, if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. This is a sober, a sober warning that Peter gives here. What he, what he describes here is, a, is the terrible predicament of these false teachers. They, they are those who at one time, think about this, this is, this is a sad situation. They were at one, they claimed to know the Lord. They, they even turned from the, the sinful world with its sinful passions and lusts, but they found themselves once again entangled in the web of the world, demonstrating that they never truly believed in the first place. They are like what John says in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Peter goes on to say, that these men and women in verse 21, that they would have been better off not knowing the way of Christ. For their judgment will be stricter. To, much, to whom much is given, much is required. Peter is not making this up. He's not making this indictment, this predicament up. He gets this straight from Jesus in Matthew 12, 43 and 45. As if Peter was, it's as if Peter was with Jesus. <laughs> he says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, 
It passes through waterless places, seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of, a per of that person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. Brothers and sisters, this is a sober warning. This is the condition of these false teachers. They are overcome with evil, and if at one time they seem to be those who genuinely believe the Lord, their actions are now proving otherwise. They are enslaved. And they seek to bring others down with them. Peter says, be warned. Be warned. Don't follow them. Uh, avoid their lies. Don't stop believing. You are free in Christ, no matter the freedom that they promise. Paul tells that to the churches in Galatia, doesn't he? Galatians 5 and 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. If you are in Christ, you are free. Uh, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't tangled in the world. Don't return to bondage. Oh, you've seen it. One of the hardest, one of the hardest thing to do, one of the hardest thing to do is to watch happen is to see who you thought was a genuine believer return to a yoke of slavery all the while thinking that they were free. And so, so as to put a, a nail in the coffin, Peter gives a proverb to communicate the sheer folly and awful condition of these false teachers and to warn us that, that this shouldn't be us either. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22 what the proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its vomit, and the soul, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Peter, he doesn't, he doesn't hold back on this imagery, uh, this, these metaphors that he's using. He just doesn't hold back. I mean, we, we need not dwell on this imagery here very long, lest you get sick. But the point is clear. I think the point is clear. There's not, not, not much I can expound on here, except to say that returning to the entanglements of the world is, is to return to, to the muck. It, isn't to, it is to return to a life of bondage to sin. It's folly. It doesn't make sense. Don't do it. Don't follow these false teachers. They seek to enslave. But I say to you, as the writer to the Hebrews said in 
Hebrews 6, 9, after warning those, those who were on, in danger of returning to a life of bondage to the law and warning them with very strong language, the writer to the Hebrews says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, yeah, I say that to you, East Point Church, yet in your case, beloved, we, sh we feel sure of better things, <laughs> things that belong to salvation. Oh, it's a warning. But you and I are free in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we, you and I can withstand these false teachers. We can encourage our family members and, and our friends to come out from under these false teachers by being aware of their methods and remembering, remembering that when they seek to entice, remember that you and I are free in Christ. Oh, may they come and entice and find nothing in us to latch on to because we are free in Christ. Let's pray. Let's pray.